people pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. There's a gap in my blinds and I keep thinking, when I open my eyes, I'll see him staring back at me through the gap. Oh, hi, it's David Farrier speaking. I'm a journalist based in Auckland. How are you doing? No, I'm correct. Thank you. Bye. A full-scale war was breaking out on the streets of an Auckland suburb. A wheel clamper who was then demanding they pay to get their vehicles back. You are a crook. I'm literally trying to give you 400 bucks cash. Uncontrolled, exorbitant, intimidating behaviour. I know there must be more to this car park terrorist, and I want to find out what. People won't talk because they're frightened. He's a very dangerous man. Let's just trademark, soften them up, poison them off, and then shoot them down in flames. That's not a good thing to be probing into with our family. It's caused a lot of pain. This man was dangerous. How did you know that he had been to my house? He just talked all about you and said that he's on to you. They give me a key to your home. That does seem Please. quite weird. I mean, I'd prefer you didn't have a key to my house. Holy oh, shit. This is fucking crazy. He knows I'm making a film about him, and I think he wants to be a part of it. He followed me down to my bedroom, and he punched me in the head six times. Michael Organ is a black hole. You kind of get taken along for the ride. And I'll fall in. Well, he is a genius. I'm literally trapped with him. The problem with Michael is once he gets on to you, he won't let go. You probably would have been quite an interesting person to know if you weren't such a cut. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, director David Ferrier returns. He is the director of the 2016 film Tickled, which we talked about back in 2016. And he is back with Mr. Organ from 2022. You can buy Mr. Organ at the Microsoft Store, Fetch TV, Apple TV, Amazon Video, Google Play Movies, YouTube, all kinds of places. Definitely check it out, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Hey, Mike, how are you? Thanks for doing this. Oh, yeah, of course. I don't know if you remember, but we talked a few years ago about Tickled. I thought it was, look, Mike White's a name that sticks out. <laughs> yeah, there are a few of me around here. But I also wondered if I'm screwed. No, it is you. Hello. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you. And here we're back with another weirdo creep. How do you find these guys? Yeah, my genre of doc making is weirdo, creepy men. I think I just need to find a third weirdo, creepy man, and I'll have my trilogy of weird, creepy men documentaries. I'm definitely attracted to unusual stories, and I'll dig deeper as opposed to ignoring them. So it's it's probably me as much as them. I, I don't think I'm a magnet for the the creepy male, but I think I yeah, I just become curious about weird things I see, and it just happens that. Yeah, my last couple of documentaries have been about men who have, I think, a lot of things in common. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially when you started to get into the family life and all of these things. There's a whole network of people that enable this behavior. Totally. And I think, yeah, I think both 
David D'Amato, when was tickled is twenty sixteen. David D'Amato shared so many things in common with Michael, and I never knew about this until I learned more about Michael, but they both love pretending to be lawyers on the internet. They're both really obsessed with like obscure religious stuff. They're both really weirdly moralistic. They're both narcissists. They both love power. They have such a similar... If they were both... If they lived together, they'd be the perfect flatmates. Like insufferable for anyone else, but they would enjoy each other's company. The inciting incident is this whole thing about an antique shop and aggressive parking rules. When did you write that story originally? It was way back in 2016. Tickled had just come out. Tickled had come out at Sundance. I came back to New Zealand and I lived just up the road from this really fancy antique store. And I would just notice late at night, there'd be all these disputes in the parking lot and people yelling and the police would be called. Always drama. And you never expect drama in an antique store parking lot. It's usually the most boring place around. And I found out yeah, there was this man who anyone that dared park in that park after hours, he'd just create chaos for them. He'd, he'd tr- trap their car in and put clamps on or tow them and just uh, get exorbitant amounts of money out of people to, to release that car. And it was just drama. It was dramatic. And I became curious and I started writing about as his clamping fees went up. Initially, he was charging $100 to release the car. By the end of that year, it was up to $1,000. It had entered parliament. They were thinking about changing the law. And I just became super curious about this man that was doing this. And as I poked further, I just found he had a whole lot of different versions of himself over the last 20 years. And at that point, after about a year of writing about it on and off, I was just like, I really want to start filming this because I just, it was a feeling I had with Tickle. There's more here. There's something really deeply warped about this person and what they're doing. I want to find out more. Let's go. At some point, you thought that maybe you had taken some crazy pills just because of this pattern, and just here we go again with this other... A little bit. Yeah. The way it was reflecting back, the patterns I'd seen in Tickles was felt a bit crazy. There was a version of Mr. Organ where I was going to drag in some of the self-referential stuff to Tickled and like clock how similar they were, but it all got a bit pretentious and, and meta. And, but yeah, at at times I felt like I was going a bit nuts and Michael being Michael wasn't helping my mental headspace. I set out to make this film where I was like exploring people's relationships with this man who had derailed their lives. And then I didn't realize he was doing that to me until I was already in a pretty fragile state and didn't quite know what to do. And that's where the film warped and turned into something else. So obviously This is a multi-year project and process that you're doing. You're still, you've got to make a living. Are you working on other film projects at the same time? Tell me more about what else is going on during this long period of time. This kind of started in 2016 and it finally wrapped up last year. It took a really long time to make. There was a, a casual pandemic in the middle of it. I was busy shooting in New Zealand when... COVID finally got there and we were in lockdown. That made things super tricky. But no, I was shooting on and off. It's not like it was a full-time job for six years, although it did occupy a lot of my headspace. In between, I would work on... I'm a journalist, so I do a lot of writing projects. I write a newsletter called Webworm, which is like my full-time job. I'll do little weird internet deep dives for that. And I work on a podcast 
a few different podcasts over the years. So I'd just do other bits of journalism along the way. But this whole theme of that time, I'd always come back to figuring out Michael Organ and what he's doing. And I'd always be dipping back into that world, no matter what else I was doing. But the thing that I guess became so destabilizing with the documentary project is it did start eating into my headspace so much that other work became really difficult to do. And it just became, I got pretty obsessed with the story. And I think Michael at the same time got pretty obsessed with me. It was, I think it was fair to say it was a pretty unhealthy relationship, probably for both of us. And I'm just glad I managed to capture most of that as it unfolded. Yeah, I can't even imagine how it must have felt for you when you found out that he had a key to your house. That was was unsettling. Of all the people in the world to have a key to my house, he was probably the last on my list that I wanted to have a key. And, And by that point in the documentary, I talked to a lot of people that had lived with Michael And a number of them had talked about how they would wake up at night from their sleep and he would be like in the room just staring at them. There were a lot of creepy stories about him. And so when I found out he had a key and had a key for a number of months, your mind wanders and you're like, did he use it? Was he in the house? What did he do? And of course, that's what he wanted me to be thinking. When you're making a documentary, what helps keep your sanity is about the separation between I'm shooting And this might be bad or it might be stressful, but I can stop shooting and go home and I'm safe. And what Michael did was he flicked that that option off. And so it wasn't an option. And so shooting and not shooting, Michael was just front of mind all the time. And that was the very challenging thing making it. How many hours do you estimate you spent on the phone with him over the years? Oh, I hate to think about. It was six years on and off. I mean, hundreds of hours. It was his conversations are so long and I was trying to find elements of truth in them and figure out what was going on in these elaborate stories. And so I did the calls. I didn't hang up. I listened. I got drawn in just when I was about to leave. He'd say something that would be vaguely threatening or another breadcrumb. And so, yeah, just too many hours. It was horrific and hypnotic and strange. And I I never want to experience it again. Also at times it could be funny. I think something I keep forgetting with this documentary is I, I think it's pretty dark, but I think it's also very funny. I think there's certain like elements of him that are fucking funny. And I like to think that some of those come through in the midst of all the darkness as well. The let's have a coffee scene was definitely one of those for me. Oh yeah. Like that. Yeah. Outrageous. You've got someone who is literally telling me, like, I'm out of your film, fuck you, here's a lawsuit. And then I say to him, because my brain at that point, it was like, what do you say to that? So I just sarcastically almost in my own mind, I just said, would you like a cup of coffee? And he says, you all right? And that's when I realized, again, I'm dealing with someone who does not operate by the same rules that we operate by. Every day with Michael, you did not know what version of him you'd get. It kept slipping and changing. And that's part of how he operates, like to disorientate you. He's not operating by the same rules that you and I would live by. How long does it take to to actually put it all together? Were you editing as you were going along? Yeah, no. So the production process for this was really interesting because it it was long and tough. I went in with a plan like I did with Tickled. I went in with a plan of what I thought the story would be. With Tickled, it went pretty by the book. I planned it well and it unfolded in similar way to, to how Dylan Reeve, who I made that film with, and I thought it would. 
With Michael Organ, I did the same thing. I came with the plan of how I thought it would go. It all went completely off the fucking rails. That just wasn't an option. So the edit was long. We were in an edit for over a year on and off, just trying to figure out how to tell the story because it was just so mentally exhausting. And I would spend all these hours with him, and then I'd have to spend those hours with him again in the edit. And Dan Kircher, the editor on this project, was instrumental because he came in somewhat fresh. He hadn't been like dulled down by Michael. And so having him in that room was huge. So we had a very close relationship figuring out what the film would be. You mentioned the music. I feel so proud of the music. Lachlan Anderson, he's from a band in New Zealand called Die, who I've always loved. He also occasionally will score films. We gave him some of the thematic elements of it. He came back with some tracks and some ideas, and then we would use some of that music to help inform the cuts. And that was, again, very different to Tickled. On Tickled's, we very tightly cut with the scenes and the music at the same time. The music with this helped inform where the story would go. And I found that process really, it was really constructive. And Lachlan was like a huge help on this movie. And he even created an entire like real instrument to help get some of the sound effects. It's this crazy acoustic machine he made, like a box with crazy like typewriters, keys attached and like strings. And it had a, a mic inside. You could essentially like, the most fucked up guitar you've ever seen, really. And you could just create all these crazy industrial sounds from it. And so he used that instrument to start with his like tapestry of sound. So yeah, basically a really long edit, a really long time to figure out the story in the edit. All my preconceived notions went out the window and the music was a super important part of telling what that story was. As you're in the edit, are you still shooting or have you wrapped that completely? Yeah. So no, we started the edit about halfway through the, I've been shooting for a year, got Dan in, he started looking at that footage, starting to look at people, victim stories, started editing what those were. But then as the film became more about me, the whole shape of the film changed a lot. And I wonder, is there a world where I shot for four years and then we started editing at the end maybe but i think that having dan in the edit not editing solid for three years but having him to check in with was super valuable and we needed to find that story together it was incredibly collaborative like between my dp dom who like in the moment would be directing me at times because i'm in the scene so i have to trust him a lot to dan in the edit to my Two producers, Emma and Alex, who I would like factor in. When I'm crying on the phone, I'm talking to Emma, my producer, about what's going on. All of those people were like this integral part of it all. It was a small team, but it was like very important. When did the film actually have its premiere? And what's been the reaction so far? Yeah, we premiered at Fantastic Fest, which I've just been to a year ago. So it's been a so we premiered at Fantastic Fest. Over the last nine months, it's been doing film festivals around the world, like very, yeah, it's been in a lot of horror festivals, which is quite funny for a documentary, but I get it. And we played it in New Zealand, where, as I say, Michael came along to watch. I'm from New Zealand. I grew up loving film and loving documentary. It was my, like, my dream to have a film playing in a cinema here. And we did that with Tickled, and I feel very lucky to be doing that with Mr. Organ. This feels like 
the big thing I've been waiting to happen is like to have it in cinemas scattered around America. I feel very lucky. And the response, it's a very New Zealand story, but I think people like respond to the humor and the craziness of New Zealand really well. And I think it's, I think it's what I talked about earlier. Like everyone has had an experience with someone a bit like Michael Organ. There's a certain sort of person that we brush up against in life who is there to manipulate and control and to fuck you up. Most of us, we bump off them and we carry on with our lives. We might have a bit of a relationship or a moment, but we carry on. And the people I've met at the screenings who say, oh, no, fuck, this was my boyfriend or this was my brother was like this. And they have had this moment of realization of, fuck, I thought this really unique thing had happened to me, but that's it. This is the person. That kind of reaction is the dream reaction where people can take it and see it and feel seen and also, hopefully, for some people, see it as a bit of a warning of some of the things to look out for people that will like drift into your life trying to manipulate you in, in some way. I have to ask, what was Michael's reaction? What happened with that screening? Oh, he, okay. So it was a very micro. If you've seen the film that Michael likes to talk a lot, he talked through the entire screening. This is just talking to people that were around him that were, of course, like shocked and worried that he was in the cinema. He's not a pleasant person, and to find out that he's the guy sitting behind you halfway through the film isn't a great feeling. You know, you've got to laugh. He talked throughout the whole thing, and I've joked about, I wish we'd gotten a microphone in there, because that could have been like the director's commentary track of the film on the Blu-ray, to have Michael muttering away about what he thought at each instant of that 90-minute runtime. That was funny. In New Zealand... His sort of revenge, I think, for me making the film was to drag me into a couple of court cases. So I was living in Los Angeles at the time and working on getting the film out at festivals and they're having to zoom into court in New Zealand to deal with all of Michael's bullshit. So he's very good at finding ways to insert himself into your life, even when you move countries. Like He's good at this shit. He loves it. Like He lives for it. This is his thing. After making the film, I was expecting something to happen. But again, when it does happen, you're just, oh, God, like, really? David, I hope you don't have your next subject already in your life causing chaos. He's not, no, not yet. There's a couple, there's a couple, there's two people I'm eyeing up in a similar vein. And I'm just, at the moment, I'm just staying away because I, I don't need that just yet. But we'll see. Thank you so much for making these great films. And I look forward to the next one. Thanks, Mike. I'll talk to you in five years. We'll have another weird fucking man, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> you take care. Great seeing you. Yeah.